You are now tuned in to the World Class Hoops Podcast. And now, here's your host, Chris Rouse. What's good, everyone, and welcome in to another edition of the World Class Hoops Podcast here for Friday, June the 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Rouse, coming to you from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, like, like I said, getting ready to bring you another edition of the World Class Hoops Podcast. Kind of a, it's kind of like a, it's hard to say goodbye edition of the World Class Hoops Podcast, actually. I mean... Three of the more recognizable logos in basketball, uh, parting, having someone part ways, two gracefully, one not so much. Uh, and since the last time we I even did a, anything for the World Class Who's podcast, which was the uh, playoff check-in the other day, we've had uh, five NBA playoff teams get eliminated. And we could be looking at a sixth uh, later tonight as the Los Angeles Clippers take on, the LA Clippers take on the uh, Dallas Mavericks in game six of that first round series. Uh, before we get started, the World Class Hoops podcast available on Twitter at WCHP Media, Facebook at World Class Hoops Podcast, also available on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Also, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Chris Rouse at on Twitter and Instagram at King Rouse Twenty One K I N G R O U S E Twenty One. Also, catch some of my other shows like Students of the Game available on Twitter at SOTG Chicago. On Facebook at Students of the Game Chicago. Also features uh, the morning show Joe with Joe. We had a bye this week on both shows, but then we'll be back next week with more content. And also the uh, boxing show, The Art of the Science, hosted by my good brother, the J- by my good brother J A underscore the Realist on Twitter, Justin Adams. And you can also catch all sh- all of those shows available on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Also Art of the Science available on SoundCloud. All right, actually, after the um, the last time I did the check-in, I was following the Damian Lillard performance against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, since then, the Portland Trailblazers, they've been eliminated. They were eliminated last night at the hands of the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I pretty I kind of figured that would happen, man. I, I pretty much figured I, uh, that, that Denver would win game six of that series. I did pick Denver to win that series in six, and that's exactly what happened. So they eliminated the Blazers. I, and I just felt like Portland, when you think about game five of that series, like you, you had to, you kind of had to figure, man. Whoever lost that game, it might, it might have been a wrap for him. It's like you kind of poured everything you had into a two over, a two overtime affair in Denver, and it came down pretty much just. To, it came down to a few tough breaks for the Blazers, you know, like a few mysteries and the Robert Covington missed dunk, but also some great performances from Denver with their body depth, as I mentioned throughout that series with Monte Morris, uh, Aaron Gordon, um, Shaq Harrison came in, gave him some defensive minutes. You know, Facundo Campazzo, just a lot of good looks, a lot of good looks for Denver in that series as they were able to advance past Portland. But I will admit this, man, that Damian Lillard, even though they lost, that Damian Lillard performance is probably one of the better playoff performances I've witnessed. I've actually had some time, I've actually had some time to sit back and think on that. And like, I've really sat here and thought, I really sat here and thought like, yeah, that was pretty, that's up there. That's pretty up there. But even though they took the loss, but I mean, hey, Jordan scored 63 and the Bulls lost. So, I mean, it happens. But a great performance from Damian Lillard. However, um, earlier today, when I actually when I woke up this morning, I was on Instagram and actually literally, you know how sometimes you open Instagram and it's the the first picture is there. It was Damian. It was a Damian Lillard picture, and it was, you know, it was it was the uh, the caption. You know what I'm saying? That that had everybody. That's got everybody a little bit a little bit worried about Damian Lillard because you know for years Damian Lillard's been on the Blazers, and they just haven't been able to quite get out of that first round. Or, or, or if they get out of the first round, they'll make a run and run into like the Golden State Warriors. So for the for for Portland, 
you wonder how much longer can Damian Lillard stay with this on Twitter. I'm sorry, on Instagram, he posted. He said, how long should I stay dedicated? How long to opportunity meet preparation, which was a Nipsey Hussle quote. So Damian Lillard, it makes you wonder, is he, is he starting to get fed up with some of the losing in Portland? However, Damian Lillard, I mean, yeah, he may be tired of losing, but Damian Lillard, just based off some of the things I've heard him say in the media, and, and you know, he just seems like that I'll stick it out type of guy. You know, he, he says he doesn't want to join other teams. He wants to get it done. And on top of that, he's under contract for, I think, through 2025 with Portland. So he's going to be with the Blazers for quite some time unless they, you know, unless they make a trade much like we saw with, the, with James Harden last year in Houston. You know, you sit, I mean, hey, the situations can sour. Not saying that that's the situation with Damian Lillard, but also in Portland, Portland's also kind of on the watch for possibly looking for a new coach because it has been rumored much like with Washington, who also was eliminated the other day by Philadelphia, that these are two teams that could possibly go in different directions in terms of trying to find a new head coach just due to all of the, all of the losing in the playoffs, which is something, which is something that's really, is really always kind of hard to find a balance with this in NBA coaching because it's like, yeah, you're making the playoffs, but at what point does it, at what point do you need to get a new voice in the locker room? And honestly, Washington, they've had Scott Brooks, Scott Brooks for quite some time. I want to say maybe since 20, I'm trying to remember when he left OKC. I can't remember if that was 13 or 14. Maybe it'd been later than that. But he's been, he's been there for, he's been in Washington for some time. And uh, I know Billy Donovan was there in 15. So I think he's been there since 14, Scott Brooks. So yeah. So Scott Brooks has been there since at least probably 2014, 15. And then you're looking at Terry Stotts, who honestly, I really can't remember when he got hired in Portland, but. He's been in Portland for quite some time. I want to say he's probably been there throughout this, th- throughout the decade. He might be been there 10 years. If, you know, I don't have him down in front of me. But, you know, we're talking about long-tenured coaches that are kind of in, loca- in places that really haven't gotten over a certain bar. I will admit Portland has had a lot of success with, in terms of getting to, like, you know, the Western Conference Finals, making the playoffs and getting to the Western Conference Finals. Washington as a franchise as a as a franchise as a whole, really not a lot of success. This is a this is a franchise that has not gotten past the Eastern Conference Finals since they went to these. They have not gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals since they went to the NBA Finals back in the nineteen seventies. So, so not really. It's, it's kind of understandable why these teams could be looking for new head coaches. Much like why it was under, it was understandable why Brett Brown was kind of he was kind of let go in Philadelphia in favor of Doc Rivers. Much like why it was kind of understandable. Why Doc Rivers was let go in LA in, in favor of Tyron Lue? Sometimes you just need a new voice in the locker room, and Portland and Washington are team are teams that have been rumored as being on those lists. So th- so that that still has to play out. But you also have to wonder in terms of Damian Lillard, how how that could affect him because it appears that he and Terry Stotts have been very close throughout the years. I can recall maybe I think it was 2016 where George Carl who. Terry Stotts has credited with, you know, kind of helping him in a, come into the league. He was an assistant coach on George Carl's staff back in Seattle. He's kind of credited him with helping bring him along in the league. But he even came out and defended Damian Lillard. He said, I think George Carl said Damian Lillard was the fault. He was the reason why Portland was losing. And Terry Stotts came out and said, with all due respect, he respects George Carl. But, hey, you don't know Damian Lillard. Don't talk about him like that. So it appears they have a relationship where they're very close, and it makes you wonder if Portland is to make a if Portland is to make a coaching change, how that could affect Damian Lillard moving forward in terms of staying staying in Portland. Portland, not, Portland, and Washington—they've been rumored to make coaching change, make coaching changes. But Boston, it is now official. It is now official for the Boston Celtics. Uh, Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge retired. He was no longer going to be the 
director of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. And that's interesting, man. Like, you know, I'm 30 years old. And lately I've been thinking about like some of the older guys, you know, some of the role players in the league that I've kind of seen like their whole career throughout my life. Like a guy like a Steve Kerr, for example. You know, Steve Kerr, when, when I was a kid, he was in the league. He was, he, was, he was on the Bulls. He was coming off the bench for the Bulls. And then I saw him go on to be a role player for the Spurs and win more titles. He played for Portland briefly for a minute. Then he was a commentator on TNT. Then he was in the Suns office. You know, he was in the Suns front office. Then he was back on TNT. And now he's the coach of the Warriors. You know, <laughs> you know so, so it's, like, it's like that. So much the way I feel about Steve Kerr, I kind of feel like that about Danny Ainge. When I was a kid... Danny Ainge, I mean, he was going against the Bulls in the finals when he was on Portland and Phoenix. I think, if I, if I remember correctly, he was in Phoenix. He was on Phoenix probably the last year of his NBA career. But, yeah, he was in Phoenix. Then he was coaching for Phoenix. He was commentating. I think, actually, I might have it reverse. He was commentating, then he was coaching, and then he was back commentating. <laughs> then, he got hired, then he got hired into the front office with Boston. And, you know, he's been in the, and he's been in the Boston front office. He's been a Boston Celtics executive. Since 2003, and, it, and honestly, it's another one of those situations where it could just be that it's time for a new, new face in the front office. It's hard to say goodbye, but sometimes when you're talking in terms of sports organizations, when you get stagnant, sometimes, it is, sometimes you just need a new voice or you just need a new face. Well, Boston not quite going to go the full new route as they promoted Brad Stevens, the head coach. He will now be the director of basketball operations of the Boston Celtics. And it has already been reported that now he will begin the search for a new head coach for the Boston Celtics. And so now with Brad Stevens, now here, here are my thoughts on the Brad Stevens situation. I think Brad Stevens is a very good coach. I think this season, Brad Stevens, he caught a bad break. I think he caught a bad break due to all the injuries. I mean, Kimball Walker started the season on the injury list. Jason Tatum missed a number of games. Jalen Brown was out for the playoffs. And then even in the playoffs, Kimball Walker and Robert Williams, they, they weren't really, you know, they, they missed games down the stretch of that Brooklyn series. In all, to be, in, all, in all honesty, I think Brooklyn had that series in hand either way. But, you know, those injuries definitely still affected the series. And on top of that, Kimball Walker didn't really have one of his best series either. I think I mentioned the other day he had like, I think he, has like, he had like 36 points in that series through three games or something like that. So it's just, you know, for Boston, it was just a frustrating season. But also when you look at this Celtics team and then you think about this team probably for the past, I was going to say three, maybe five years, honestly. You, you can go back to the Isaiah Thomas, the Isaiah Thomas years where he got them to the conference finals and then he got hurt and they lost to Cleveland. 2018 where, oh, they, they missed 23 straight threes despite making an impressive run through the playoffs without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. That's another, and that's another thing, Gordon Hayward's injury. It just really seems like Brad Stevens never really got the full complement of players in Boston when it was Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. It just seemed like somebody was always hurt. Somebody was always out, out of the, out of the lineup and hurt during that time. And then, and then eventually the alleged, you know, the, the reported divide in the locker room caused by Kyrie Irving which is kind of why, which is why he's seen some of the why he's seen so many boo he saw so many boos in the series against Boston still didn't deserve the water bottle incident but you know I can understand why fans in Boston maybe have something against him but I'm not saying throw stuff at him I don't think that's right still still be respectful you know still still be respectfully disrespectful <laughs> I guess it's just for, and when you look at it for Brad Stevens, I thought 
with Boston, he has some pretty good runs. He had some. De- he had. He had some pretty good teams. You got Jason Tatum. He developed Jason Tatum. Helped develop Marcus Smart. Helped develop Jalen Brown. Helped make. That's that's two All Star players, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But now it just could be time once again for a new voice in the Boston locker room. And it's interesting to see where Brad Stevens will go. Actually, I mean, this team is pretty much pretty much been built up by him. So it's just interesting to see like who who will he call up. To, to pretty much replace him, himself, to coach this Boston Celtics team, which still has a lot of talent. still ha- the still It still looks bright moving forward when you talk about Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I don't know what they're going to do with Kimball Walker, who's coming off of the injury. There have been some rumors that maybe he could be somebody they may try to move out to probably try to get in some picks or maybe just to restructure the roster. They have some good young interior weapons in Robert Williams III. Grant Williams, some scorers off the bench, Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Langford played pretty well in the playoffs, Carson Edwards, I know he didn't play, but that's another guy that I think I think he can go out there and score much the same as you see with like Landry Shamit, Anthony Simons, Emmanuel Quickly, some of the other younger players in the league that actually come in and provide points off the bench for their team. It's interesting to see where this Boston team will go. I think Boston, they, like I said, they have a lot of young pieces that they really can do something with. They have some young talent. It appears that they have a core. Now they just need a voice in the locker room to take them over the hump. Brad Stevens, maybe maybe Brad Stevens is just worn now with being the head coach. I don't know. Maybe, possibly. We'll see. Maybe it'll come out eventually at some point. But you have to wonder. What can what is this Boston team gonna do moving forward? I'm still I'm, I'm just really interested. I'm looking forward to seeing it because it's really it really is like it's just a really awkward situation because it's like you you promote the head coach to basketball operations and now he has to hire somebody to replace himself. It's just I, I'm really curious to see you know see Brad Stevens' vision for this team moving forward. I just I'm interested in that. And like I said, a lot of young talent, young pieces to build around. I think it's gonna be a fun. I think it's gonna. It could be fun for Boston moving forward, depending on who they bring into the to the locker room. Also on Tuesday, it was announced that famed Duke head coach Mike Shashevsky, Coach K, he will retire at the end of the 2021-2022 season, taking it here to the college ranks. As it's really weird to hear that Coach K is gonna retire in 2022. Coach K, I mentioned earlier, I'm 30. Coach K started, he started coaching at Duke in 1980. So he was at Duke 10 years before I was even alive. So Coach K has been at Duke my entire life. And it's really weird to think, wow, (laughs) like he really won't be there anymore after this season. His replacement, he did name, it was was announced that his replacement will be a former Illinois guy, actually. Uh, John Shire, who, who went to Glenbrook North. Here in here on the uh, the Chicago Illinois area, he attended Duke for 2006-2010. He does, I believe, he was on that national. I believe, matter of fact, he might have been on that. I think he was actually. He was on that 2010 uh, Duke national title team, which in a way is going to bring it full circle because that's the same team that lost to uh, Gordon Hayward, who was coached by Brad Stevens and, and Butler. So, <laughs> so I think John Shire was on that same 2010 team actually. And yeah, yeah, he was yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah, he was on that 2010 Duke team that beat Butler on the Gordon Hayward missed shot, which was coached by Brad Stevens. So to bring it full circle a little bit, 
and actually going to keep it full circle when we wrap it up. You'll see when we get there. But so John Shire has been named as the replacement for Coach K, and and honestly, it's just wow. It's just all it's kind of like how it was when I was watching Damian Lillard play the other night. I was just in amazement when I saw that report that Mike Shashevsky will no longer be coaching Duke. He's going to retire after the season, and and it's another one of those situations where I like to see like how much of the Duke legacy will go with him. And what I mean by that is. Will Duke still be one of those teams that's still like, you know, the top recruit? You know, it will Duke still be Duke, basically? <laughs> will, will Duke still be Duke without Coach K? I mean, John Shire, I think, is in a great position. Like I said, he's been under Coach K. He played for Coach K. Jason Williams, former Duke Blue Devil, Chicago Bulls, said John Shire, he he's the guy. He could work for this team moving forward. But it's still just that level of doubt. How much of that is Coach K and how much of that is Duke? You know, like we're going we're gonna to find out moving forward with John Shire. I'm still looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing. Once again, much, like much, much the same with the Boston Celtics. Looking forward to seeing what, what's going to happen with these organizations. What's going to happen with this university. Duke is a famed college. You know, they're known for college basketball. Duke. I mean, they've had Zion Williamson. R.J. Barrett recently, all the other n- numbers of players you can name throughout the years at Duke. I'd probably be sitting here all day if I named guys that had great careers at Duke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Notable players that have had great careers at Duke. And all of that under Coach K within these last, these last 41 years. 42 at, the end, at season's end. And it's just, wow, an end of an era, to say the least. It's just really going to be weird. I mean, all I can think about is as a kid, I used to ha- actually used to hate Duke. I'm one of those guys that <laughs> I'm one of those guys that if my team isn't winning, I hate the team that's winning. So when the Bulls were winning as a kid when, when I was in the 90s, I loved it. But when the Lakers were winning, not so much. You know, <laughs> not so much. You know, when Duke and the Patriots, when Duke would win every year and the New England Patriots would win every year, not so much. So Duke was kind of like my villain team, but Coach K was a big part of that. And me being an, an unbiased analyst now as an adult, I mean, it's like you, you just, you just got to salute greatness. Coach K has blazed the trail at Duke, one of the premier, one of the premier universities in, in the NCAA in terms of college basketball. Like I said, the number of players that have gone through Duke, I mean, Christian Leitner had his own documentary, <laughs> like his own 30 for 30. He was a great player, too, at Duke. Some other guys like Jason Williams, who I mentioned earlier, Elton Brand, Chris Duhon. I, part, I did not mean to name three guys the Bulls got, the Bulls drafted on purpose, but that's what happened. Um, Mike Dunleavy, there you go. He, I mean, the Warriors drafted him. <laughs> but my point is, it's a leg- what a legacy from Coach K, man, and it's... It's really just gonna be odd to, you know, turn Duke basketball on and not see him, man. It's kind of, kind of like his last dance this season. I'm looking once again, much like with the Boston Celtics. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Duke during his last year. Maybe, maybe they can pull one out for Coach K this last season. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm not saying put bet. I'm, hey, I'm not saying I, I don't bet anyway. But I'm not saying, hey, I'm not saying take any stock in what I just said. But hey, maybe we, you never know, man. Maybe he could get the perfect ending. We don't know. But it's just it's just weird to think, man. Coach K really won't be here anymore after the season, and 
just I just want to say, man, salute to Coach K, man. Definitely a great career. Definitely a leg, definitely a worthy legacy and a great career at Duke. All right, well, we mentioned Brad Stevens. Well, earlier I mentioned uh, I was going to bring this full circle. I mentioned it was kind of like the it's hard to say goodbye edition. I already mentioned how we've had five teams get eliminated from the playoffs. I mentioned how Brad Stevens has been moved up to Boston. He was, you know, he, he was coaching at Butler, and they lost to Duke. And, you know, LeBron James is always being rumored as, hey, what if he would have went to college? He probably would have went to Duke. And, you know, the Lakers and the Celtics have always met in the NBA Finals. And last night, the Los Angeles Lakers were eliminated from the 2021 NBA playoffs at the hands of the Phoenix Suns. 113-100, the final score, as Phoenix wins the series four games to two. And uh, honestly, I'm wrapping it up here with the Lakers, Phoenix Suns Lakers series, because I've been on social media all day. You know, you know, is there... (laughs) You know, LeBron James, his first ever first round, his first ever loss in the first round as he was 14-0. He's now 14-1. I was like, okay, he's 14-1 in the first round. So LeBron, LeBron James has now been eliminated from the first round for the first time in his NBA career. And honestly, I just want to get my thoughts on I just want to kind of get my thoughts on that series real quick. Uh, going in, my prediction was Phoenix in seven. It ended in six. Um... Honestly, I just thought that series was just too, it was just too overshadowed by injuries. I mean, Chris Paul had the shoulder injury in game one, and then he re-aggravated in game five. Anthony Davis had the groin injury, and then he 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 got hurt again in uh, game six last night. Uh, if I'm if I'm not going to be all the way honest, one, I kind of expected Phoenix to win this series just because I thought the Lakers would wear down. I, I said it before, I thought maybe that, that long run through the bubble last season, and then on top of that, the injuries they had at the end of the year with LeBron James, Dennis Schroeder, Anthony Davis, and then Anthony Davis getting hurt again in the playoffs. KCP, Kentavious Caldwell Pope even missed a game earlier in the series. And I just, I just think the Lakers kind of wore down. You know, not trying to make excuses, I'm just saying. Looking at it, looking at it as an unbiased analyst, I just felt like the Lakers kind of wore down in this series. But also on the other hand, I actually think Phoenix shot the lights out the last two games. <laughs> I think the Phoenix Suns. Really rose to the occasion in this series, the last two games of this series. Because remember, Phoenix had a phenomenal game. They played very well in game one. DeAndre Ayton on both ends of the floor, guarding Anthony Davis, getting buckets on one end. Chris Paul hitting his jump shot when he was healthy. Cameron Payne played outstanding throughout the entire series. Salute to him, former Windy City Bull. Also, salute to Etwan Moore, former Chicago Bull. A lot of former Bulls all over this playoffs, man. But. Phoenix really got great performances out of... They got a great performance out of Cameron Payne the entire series. Devin Booker played great. He played like a superstar the last two games. Kind of really took the scoring lead for Phoenix, especially in game five. And Phoenix, even without Chris Paul, once again, sort of what we saw in OKC last year, sort of just Chris Paul's presence in the locker room. It kind of gives these guys some confidence. And when he, You can see when he was hurt the first, the first two games he was hurt in that series... The Lakers took those games. It was like Phoenix didn't know how to react to Chris Paul being hurt. He, he was out there missing some of his passes because of his timing. Couldn't have a zip on his passes. He was sidearming jump shots. But then when he would get, he gave him some effort in game four, Phoenix came out. He gave him effort in games three and four. They lost game three in, in blowout fashion. He came out in game four, and they ended up blowing the Lakers out. Phoenix actually really dominated the Lakers the last three games of that series. 
I thought game I thought games five game five was games five and six were the two most convincing. Game five they they won by thirty points in the first half. It was like they just wouldn't miss. And game six it carried over. The Phoenix Suns, you got to give them credit. They rose to the occasion against the defending champions, a, 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 a team that, like I said, I think was worn down. They did, they did have injuries in this series, but they also still had some pretty good performances. You also still got to play the game. LeBron James, I thought he played great in games two and three, but it was not enough to get past a Phoenix Suns team that it seemed like they found their stride throughout that series because earlier in the series, Jay Crowder, Macau Bridges, they weren't really shooting the ball that well. But in game five, everyone on Phoenix, it was like everybody on Phoenix just wasn't missing. It was one of those games where it's like it really doesn't matter what you do, the Suns aren't going to miss. And they rolled that momentum to a 30-point win. They carried it into game six. They won by 13. And now they're moving on to the second round where they will meet the Denver Nuggets. So... Just my last thoughts here on the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, just a tough way to go out. Tough way for the Lakers to go out, man. I mean, take nothing away. I'm saying this now. Take nothing away from the Phoenix Suns. I thought they played very well the last three games of that series. However, I still think the Lakers also did kind of wear down. They kind of succumbed to the injuries. But at the same time, hey, you still got to play the games. You got to still go out there and win. Everybody deals with injuries. I mean, Utah didn't have Donovan Mitchell. He came back. They won four straight there in the second round, awaiting the Clippers-Mavericks winner. It's a, it was a, it's a tough break for the Lakers. To, it was, it's really tough in general just to see that Suns-Lakers series be so decided by injuries, you know, with Chris Paul being hurt and Anthony Davis being hurt. But, that, but once again, everybody has injuries. Phoenix didn't have Chris Paul. Like, they didn't know how, well, they had Chris Paul, but they didn't know how effective he could be with the shoulder. In the playoffs, you got to play through it. And at the end of the day, the Phoenix Suns, they took advantage. They advanced to the second round. Got great performances out of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. And now, the Western Conference, I already thought it was a toss-up anyway. It's really a toss-up now. Remember, now, now, remember, I picked the Clippers. I picked the Clippers to win the West. And now they're down 3-2. Game 7 of that series is later tonight. As they'll take on... I'm sorry, Game 6 of that series is later tonight. Well, they'll try to force a Game 7 against the Dallas Mavericks where the winner will face the Utah Jazz. And, I mean, looking at who's left in the West, I think Utah, most convincing Utah team I've seen in a while. Phoenix, most convincing Phoenix team I've seen in a while. Denver, I like the way they played against Portland with their depth, able to get performances throughout the lineup. But at some point, maybe, you know, not having Jamal Murray may catch up to him. And the playoffs, it really is a wide open Western Conference playoffs this year, especially if Dallas can eliminate the Clippers in game six later tonight. Because, like I said, my pick coming in was... L.A. Clippers. <laughs> that was who I am. L.A. Clippers, Milwaukee Bucks was my NBA Finals pick. And right now, right now the Clippers had their backs to the wall. A tough loss in Game 5. The Kawhi Leonard air ball at the end with the the, the uh, pictures of Rajon Rondo looking at him. My keys for Game 6. 
Comes down to that Clippers second unit. Comes down to that Clippers bench again. Reggie Jackson, very he, he, he's very hit or miss sometimes. He's been pretty much hit throughout this series, especially since they since they put him into the starting lineup. Serge Ibaka, he's been hurt. Luka Doncic, once again, he too has been hurt. For the Clippers, I think the key for them, they got to try to find a way to make it a half-court game. I mean, Luka Doncic with these step-back threes, man. He's got 40, he had 42 in game five. I mean, it's just been a great series, man. It's been a great series for Luka Doncic. And I thought when, one thing the Clippers did very well in the two games in Dallas, they kind of said, you know what? All right, Luka's going to get his 42, but we can't have the other guys on this team beating us. However, you know, Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, who can hit a few shots, but he also did a great job. He's done a great job defending. Maxi Kleber, who comes in and hits some shots. The positional size of Dallas, Jalen Brunson off the bench. It's been very good. It's been very strong for the Mavericks. How can the Clippers combat that? And I think maybe for game six, expect to see much more of a half-court game, try to slow it down. Maybe maybe try to use some of their speed, like with matchups like Reggie Jackson, when he can get switched on some of the bigger guys on Dallas. Have Rajon Rondo, the, the floor general for this Clipper team, let him sort of control their half-court offense a little bit more. And then, of course, you got two stars in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who've actually... Well, this is one of the more up-and-down performances I've actually seen out of Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. Usually, he's very, very good consistent, good and very consistent. But this, this is actually one of the more shaky playoff performances I've actually seen out of, seen out of Kawhi Leonard. And uh, Paul George, I mean, you know, he always, he always gets the jokes on social media anyway, you know, with the playoff P, pandemic P. But he, too, he's been very up-and-down in this series. The Clippers are going to need another one of those strong performances that they had in Game 4 out of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. They're going to need guys to get to the rim, something I thought they did very well the two games, the two, the, the two earlier games in the series in Dallas. So we'll see what happens in game six later tonight. Can the Clippers force game seven or does Dallas advance to take on the Utah Jazz? We'll find out later. And speaking of later, I'll catch y'all later. I'm about to get up out of here, man. It's, it's real hot in Chicago, man. It's like 90. I think it was a 92 today. It was 90 yesterday. So, so yeah, I'm going to get out of here, man. I'm going to catch you guys at a later date. Um, actually... Later today, actually, I'm gonna probably drop something tomorrow. It's gonna be something tomorrow. Shaq Barnes of uh, SB Talk Sports, he's gonna join me for NBA playoff check in, and we're gonna go over the Brooklyn Nets Milwaukee Bucks series and go over some of the second round matchups moving forward, and also possibly go over what happens in the uh, Clippers Mavericks. So be on the lookout for that, man. Um, once again, this is another presentation of the World Class Hoops Podcast, available on Twitter at WCHP Media, Facebook at World Class Hoops Podcast. You can catch me on Twitter. Instagram at KingRouse21, K-I-N-G-R-O-U-S-E 21. So in next, until next time, man, this has been another edition of the uh, World Class Hoops Podcast. I'm probably going to call this the uh, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye edition, man. All I did was talk about people leaving, like Danny Ainge, Coach K, the Lakers, the playoff, all the teams got eliminated in the playoffs. Probably did It's So Hard to Say Goodbye edition. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You, you'll see it. Anyway, this is the World Class Hoops Podcast. Until next time. Positive energy to you all, man. And once again, be safe out there, man. It's a wrap, bro. It's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the World Class Hoops Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you may be. That's a wrap.